Hello everybody, this is Captain Katz. And we are Katz. Alright, and welcome back to the show. So this week we're going to be talking about a very important hip-hop album. And basically it's a, a landmark album. And when I mean landmark album, it's because not only it the album itself became an instant classic, but it also changed the way hip-hop was from the, 90, from the mid-90s up to now. Because the effects were everlasting. And that album is... Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Yep. And it's turning 40, right? 30. 30, 30 yeah. Well, November. 30 as of November. Yes. November 9th, the releasing. Yeah. And then you're wondering, you know... Many of you who have never listened to Wu-Tang... They're... Very important hip hop group because they all represented the five boroughs of New York mm -hmm. and they brought a different style of hip hop, especially ODB. <laughs> ODB, still to this day, the only hip hop artist that brought this type of one of a kind cannot be copied, cannot be reproduced style of hip-hop and not only that but we've had but they brought a lot of different terminologies they brought a lot of different ideologies they brought a lot of different styles of hip-hop and yeah that's all i that that's just the tip of the iceberg of the importance of the wu-tang clan to hip-hop oh yeah and especially what happened afterward when like all all, all the members uh, made their own like you know, their little debut albums like every one of them was a hit by hit by hit by hit a classic 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 yeah and and it can never be replicated by all you know hip hop artists after that like mm -hmm. one big group and then they're like okay then we're gonna split out and um, do our own thing, but within the Wu-Tang banner, and blah, 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 blah. And, and they took everyone. They took everyone out. Oh, yeah. And um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about their implications of outside of the hip-hop industry. You know, and still uh, never... The effects of that. Well, we'll talk about that later. All yeah. right. So first... Um, Let's just talk about who's on this. Who's on this LP? Um. Well, actually, it came out on CD because remember, it it was on the Wayne. Right, 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 right. I know. Later, I know later it did came out on that. Yeah, but um, so far right now the uh, members are, um, and they've been together ever since. Well, not together, but um. So we got the RZA mm -hmm. from '92 to the present, the Jizza. The Method Man, Raekwon, The Chef, uh, Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck, Yuga, and Master Killer. And they introduced Capadon as part of the group uh, in 2007 because of, um, well, Old Dirty Bastard was an individual member from 92, but he, sadly he died in 2004. Yeah. So, but um, and his and his death was a a, a great loss to hip hop because, um, let's just put it this way: everything that he was involved with 
was gold. Yes. Even if he has a small little part, like maybe a little uh, musical interlude. Mm -hmm. It was gold. Yes. Yeah. Um, And there's a story. There's one story I'll I'll tell about about him later. Um, So, yeah. So. The one thing the one thing that a lot of people will notice about this album is that they took a lot of sampling from Hong Kong cinema. Most notably Shaw Brothers cinema. Yes, and they and their their biggest one was uh obviously the thirty six chambers of Shaolin. Mm-hmm. Um I guess they didn't do much with Enter the Dragon because of the title. Right. But it was because of um Thirty Six Chambers of Shaolin, a a must see Kung Fu classic, probably the best kung fu film of all time, or one of them. One of them, yeah. Followed by another one, which is also a Shaw Brothers, that they took heavy, heavy influence. Uh, Five Daily Venoms. Of course. But they also did a bunch of, uh, well, let me go to uh, the um, the tracks, because, you know, it has uh, certain movies that they... Uh, you know, like, oh, we'll talk about the Kung Fu part. Right. Like, um, oh, my God. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good one. <laughs> and the Ten Tigers from Guangdong. Uh-huh. That's a good one. Uh, Shaolin, uh, uh, let me see what other um, films. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Um, yeah, Five Valley Venom. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Uh, Executioners from Shaolin. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. known as uh, by its correct title, Hong Shi Guan. Yeah. Um, uh, Shaolin and Wu Tang. And that's it. <laughs> okay. So, with the exclusion of uh, Shaolin and Wu Tang, um, everything else is a Shaw Brothers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think Shaolin, Shaolin versus Wu Tang was a. Uh... Was it an independent one, like or a small company? Well, it wasn't a small company, but um, hmm, was produced by La Carleon. Um, I bet you it was Shaw Brothers, but they just like you know under a different banner, like a different production studio. No, it wasn't, um, because this was in '83. Ah, okay. Distributed by the King Foot Film um, Film Company, so it wasn't a Shaw Brothers film. Not like uh, uh, 36 Chamber, uh, um, Hong Chi Guan, excuse mm-hmm. me from Shaolin, and um, Five Deadly Venoms. Five Deadly Venoms, uh, Ten Tigers of Kwang Dong. I actually yeah. have that film. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of those. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, they brought in, a, they brought in, a, uh, they kind of brought Hong Kong cinema back into hip hop. Or the, not brought brought it back into, but they brought it into hip hop. Um, because soon after that, like I know, throughout the '90s, a lot of hip hop groups were sampling stuff from from Hong Kong cinema, you know, from Shaw Brothers films. Well, these were the first because I'm I'm um, we'll talk about the tracks now. Like the first track, "Bring the Ruckus," right? That actually had the dialogue from Shaolin and Wu Tang. Um, but but I think the very first part was uh, Ten Tigers from, no, 
They do have some from Ten Tigers from Guangdong, but it's mostly Shaolin versus Wu-Tang when they said Shaolin and Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Do you think a Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? You know, on guard. I think I should try your Wu-Tang sword style. Right, and right, then right. bring the motherfucking ruckus. Right, right. <sighs> yeah, so that... so That was completely different. I mean, we're talking about 1993. That was completely different from... Wow, who was big in that time? What well, I guess it was... Well, at the time, because at the time of 93, West Coast hip-hop was merging. The East Coast still had what it was going with, but they were kind of like trying to figure out where they were heading, you know, because some of it kind of, because you got to remember in the East Coast at the time, you had... You know, groups like De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, the whole Zulu Nation thing. And then you also had hip-hop groups and artists trying to do sampling from Motown. And then also were also other groups were also groups and individual artists were trying to sample from um, from jazz. Especially the East Coast style of jazz. Mm. You know, so, there were, so the East Coast side was just trying to figure out, okay, where we're going to go from here. You know, the West Coast was, you know, the the whole rise of the gangster rap and everything. You know, with, um, with N.W.A., Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, um, Tupac. So. Yeah, and uh, um, and then when these guys showed up, it's like. <laughs> yeah, it was just a. Blew everyone away. Yeah, it was just like they literally. The samples did- were perfectly timed. And the beats that they made were, you know, uh, taking a lot from, you know, Kung Fu, uh, a lot of classic soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of classic soul or a lot of stuff that's like you didn't hear in the United States. Right, like here, like, you know, we're, you know, I'm still, you know, bring on the ruckus. So some of the samples would included a synthetic substitution by Melvin Bliss, mm-hmm. uh, CB Pound 2 by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Bess, In the Rain by The Dramatics, um... Well, well, that's it. That's just the samples. Yeah, then, but see, but here's the thing. See, no producer or DJ in the West Coast would ever thought of that. No DJ or producer in the Midwest, like say in Chicago, you know, would never thought of something like that. And no DJ or producer out in the East Coast, New York, wasn't wouldn't even think of sampling stuff like that. They wouldn't go through stuff like that. No, because it was more jazz. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. And so these guys went to classic blues and. And uh, soul, right? They like look, uh, the they, second track. Um, is that profanity? No, shame on the N. Let's just keep that, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame on an N, yeah. And uh, it has you know dialogue from Shaolin and Wu Tang, mm-hmm. uh, samples of different strokes by Sil Johnson and Black and Tan Fantasy by Thelonious Monk, right? And yet, um, what <laughs> drove this this song? I remember was because of Already Bastard. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And not just the cars, but just you know, how he exploded on the track. Yes, just, just that was the track that introduced the world to ODB. How the way he came in there, he rhymed, and as he, I, I, and I, as I, he oh, famously me, me, said in on. one of his lyrics, Jacques Cousteau could never let could never get this low. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let me take that back. Okay, he didn't rhyme. ODB kind of, in the in his words, 
in a documentary. I kind of sing rap. I sing the words coming out of my mouth. But I don't, but I rhyme it in a way where it's just, I'm singing to you, but I'm rhyming at the same time. I'm trying to tell you a story, but rhyming it at the same time. That's the way how ODB kind of summarized his style. Like a singing, rhyming hip-hop style. And he has a bunch of other nicknames, too. ODB, Aeson Unique, Dirt McGirt, uh, Joe Bananas, The yeah. Specialist, Dirt Dog, Osiris, mm-hmm. Big Baby Jesus, uh, Niffy McStab, oh, Knifey McStab, excuse me, and um, famously because of Chappelle Show, uh, Old Dirty Chinese Restaurant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but going back to second track, um, yeah, he was on fire. <laughs> he was on fire. He was just, you know, him, I think Raekwon was on it, uh, Method. No, it was, was, um, yeah, in, uh, in, Raekwon was in the intro and the third verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, ODB was in the, uh, ODB was in the chorus and the first verse. Method Man was the second. Yeah. And then and then Old Dirty uh took on the last verse. Yeah. Oh, and who was on the who was on the first track? I know it was Riza. Uh chorus was a Riza. The mm-hmm. first verse was Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Uh second verse was Raekwon, then Inspector Deck, and then the Jizza. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember when Ghostface came out on the first one track, Ghostface was like him and Ray. Fed off of one another, but kind of like try to outdo one another, and that, and that and that's the thing too in this whole album. If you listen to every track and every verse, it's like they're trying to outdo one another. Yeah, like um, their their, their fourth uh, track, Wu Tang, the seventh chamber, right? The seventh chamber. Wait, what was the third track? Oh, sorry, it was Clan in the front. So that was just all RZA and Jizza. Yeah, but oh, so, but- see, see, okay, see, so see with that one right there. Um, oh, so what was the samples on that one? Um, Baloo, Bolivar, Baloo's R. By Thelonious Monk, Honeybee by The New Birth, The Love You Save by The Jackson 5, Synthetic Substitution by Melvin Bliss, and uh, m- more uh, dialogue from uh, Shaolin and Wu-Tang. All right. Yeah, so about that one. Okay, RZA comes out on this one pretty hard. That's the intro, though. Yeah, no, 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 but that one. But then the Jizza. Compared to the first track, this one right here shows how unique the Jizza is. You know, and you can tell he was on a whole different level. Not just rhyming, but how the, but if you listen to the way he rhymes, the lyrics and everything like that, you can tell that he was just like, you know. He was well-educated. He was well-informed. He knew what he wanted to say. He wanted to articulate his thoughts, you know? And that led to the creation of quite essentially one of the best uh, hip-hop albums of uh, the decade. Liquid Swords! Yeah. Liquid Swords is a classic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It had one of the best tracks in the 90s, too. Shadow boxing. Pretty much. Oh, my God. That was a classic. And especially when they used the from the film uh, Shaolin, uh, Shaolin versus Dama. Yeah. Uh, Lama, I'm, I'm sorry. And then, then I saw the clip, you know, allow me to demonstrate to you the skill of Shaolin. Uh, the special technique of shallow boxing. <laughs> yeah. Just timed it. Yeah. So, yeah. But that, yeah. But right there, you, you like, we just had a taste of what the jizzle was going to bring. You know? And, yeah, he brought it. Yeah, and in the Wu-Tang 7th Chamber, everybody was in on it. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um... Every, everybody was just trying to outdo one another on that one. Mm-hmm. Everybody was trying to outdo one another. And then, uh, Can It All Be So Simple? Mm-hmm. That, uh, one, that one was good. Can It All Be All So Simply? That one was, I think that was what, Ghostface, Ghostface and RZA, right? No, Ghostface and, uh, Raekwon. Um, yeah, it was Ghostface and, uh, uh, Raekwon. Yeah. That one was good because you could tell, like, they were real, they were, they were coming from the heart. They were coming from the heart on that one. You can tell what they were saying was like they're trying to get something off of their chest, you know. And then the beat was so great, the loop was good. It, it was it was it was just a good track. It was such a really good track. And what was the sampling on those? Um, the way we were slash try to remember by Gladys Knight and the Pips, and I got the by uh, Lady Sifri Sifri. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And then you got uh, uh, some of the uh, more kung fu stuff, like the mystery of chess boxing. That that they got that one from Shaolin and Wu Tang with the classic line, you know, the game. And it is true, the game of chess is like a sword fight. You must think first, before you move. Right. That one right there. And then came the five days of them. You know, the the, the toe style is immensely strong, and immune to almost any weapon when when used correctly, it's almost invincible. Yeah, this track right here was, I think, their first single. And I think this was the one that blew up crazy on the radio. Uh, Actually, no, their first single was Protect Your Neck. Was it? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So their first one was, was Protect Your Neck, neck. Uh-huh. then Method Man. Oh, yeah. And then their, whoo, their big hit, Cream. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Can, yeah, and then um, uh, Can It All Be So Simple. Yeah. That should have been a single. Yeah, that one, Master Chess Boxing. Yeah, that should have been a single. I don't know why I thought it was a single. But yeah, um, no, that should have been a single because that was just. Every, the, the beat was good. The loop was good. The rhymes were, were crazy hot. Everything in that, everything in, in that track right there just showed you, okay, this is what we got for you. It was like. You know, okay, so this is what they're having on the West Coast. Okay, this is what they're having here in the East Coast. I don't know what they're having in the Midwest, but we're going to do what we're going to do. And you're going to like it, you know, whether you like it or not, boom, we're just going to be right in front of your face, hardcore. That's what that song, that that track right there was like that. Yeah, and then they had their uh, their slogan, <laughs> track number seven. Mm-hmm. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Right. They just stamped it right there. Don't fuck with us. Right. And what was the samples from that one? Uh, the theme... I'm not kidding. The theme from Underdog by W. Watts Biggers. 
Okay. Underdog. Did not know that. All right. Papa Was 2 by Joe Tex. Mm-hmm. The classic Nobody Beats the Biz by Biz Marquis. Right. Tomorrow by Andrea McArdle. In the Rain by The Dramatics and Dialogue from Executioners of from Shaolin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that one was, yeah, that one right there was just basically like, not only like their slogan, it was just an anthem. That was like their anthem, you know? And it came with their shirt. Yep. At first they did it for themselves when then people were asking, um, you know, I want to buy that shirt. I want to buy that shirt. And then they just, yeah, people were like, yeah, people were just like crazy. Like there was even stories too, where ODB was like, even after the show, he was like, at his car, at the trunk, and he was selling merch. I don't know about that. No, he was. He literally said it too. He says he said that there was times where, like, even after the show, I would just like when I wanted to meet fans and stuff like that, I just tell him, "Follow me." We go to my car. I open up the track, you know, open up my trunk, and then I just had, you know, shirts, and I was selling shirts. Yeah, I got arrested a couple of times because I didn't I wasn't supposed to do that, but you know it is what it is. And I remember those shirts actually, you know I mean this was back in like ninety three, so we were really young and I was and I have seen people wearing those shirts. Yeah, and the thing the thing too with that was like when it, it when was, he was he when when no when he when when Dirty was doing that, when when they were doing that to selling the shirts illegally Started out, started in New York. Started on the Burles in New York. When the album came out, and it just, like, across the U.S., that's when everybody was like, I gotta get a Wu-Tang shirt. And it just flew like crazy. And they still, and this shirt still sell to this day. Mm-hmm. They still sell to this day. And then we have Cream. And for those Which was who short for cash rules everything around me. Mm-hmm. Cream hit the money. Dollar dollar bill. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That was another notorious Raekwon. Well, um, Ray um, Raekwon and, and um well the chorus was Method Man. Man. Oh yeah. And then it had Raekwon and Inspector Deck. Deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here Inspector Deck was good because, you know, um, the tracks that Inspector Deck was in, it was always with like you know three, four other three, four other members, right? It was here. It was just him and him and Chef. So you got to hear Inspector doing his own thing, going one on one against Raekwon, you know, and Inspector brought the, this whole different mentality when going against going with this track, and it was kind of like you know, an urban type philosophy you know and, and, it, and it was good and then with method when he just comes and does the you know the middle bars you know it just it just like smooth as butter it was smooth couldn't get any better than that and what was the samples on those uh cream uh, as long as i got you by the charmels that was it mm-hmm all right, and then what we got next? Method Man. <laughs> and this is the song. M-E-T-H-O-T, man. And this was the track that put Method Man on the map. And it was just all him. It, it was hard. It was rugged. It was 
it was philosophical, but then at times too, you were just like, nah, he didn't say that. There was no way he could have said that. You know? But he did. And he made a great uh, course. M-E-T-H-O-D. Man. Yeah. And what was the sampling on that? Uh, Synthetic Substitution by Melvin Bliss. Tramp by Carla Thomas and Otis Redding. And Sport by Lightning Rod and Cool and the Gang. Mm-hmm. And then what's the next track we got? Protect Your Neck. That's when everybody was in on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, samples are The Grunt by the JBs and Dialogue from Shaolin and Wu-Tang. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is also another, another showcase where everybody was, you know, interlocked and they're just you know, one by one by one by one just killing it. Ba, 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 ba. And, they were, and it shows old, um, old Dirty Bastards uh, singing, you know, with that little interlude. His ranges. His range. But yeah, but the thing too with this track was just like, it was like how the, like how the way in interviews and stuff like that over the years when they talked about this album, it was like, yeah, every time we all got to do like a track together with everybody, it was like we were all trying to go, trying to one up on one another. This 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 track was a good example of them trying to one up one another. It was like, okay, Ray has a little part right here. Okay, Chef has a little part right. Here. No, uh, Ghostface has a little part right here. Okay, Inspector Deck, then Meth, then the Jizza, then the Rizza. ODB does what he needs to do. <laughs> Doesn't know what he's gonna do, but he's gonna do something. It'll be something in left field. And then all of a sudden, boom, goes back. And then they're trying to go back at it one and one and one and one and one like that, you know. And and this track actually is like perfect. It was a perfect example of them trying to one up on one another, but not in a negative way, you know. And that was one of the problems, too, back in the 90s. A lot of the groups, when they try to do uh, tracks like that with more than one person... There was they instead of trying to like battle one another for a pot from a positive perspective or a positive point of view, like trying to bring the best out of one another, mm. it was more of like they were battling to see like you know oh I can take you on ah, you know you're nothing, you know and I'm and I'm a guest guy and I'm a guest dude on your track, I'm gonna be better than you, so there was that whole tribal mentality that you know that was going on. Um, back in the 90s in the hip-hop community. It was always, like, everybody was trying to be a gunslinger. Mm. Pretty much. And then this track just just basically showed, okay, we can still, yeah, we can gunsling, but we're going to do it in a different way. In a positive way. And they did. Oh, dang it. It did came out on vinyl. And I'm pretty sure they'll probably re-release it because the, on the first uh, six tracks, is the has a Shaolin sword. And the other side, the other six tracks had uh, um, uh, the Wu Tang sword. Mm. So uh, I don't know if they're going to do something to commemorate this, but if they are, you better start saving up money. Yeah. All right. So what's the next track? Uh, let's see. Let's protect your neck. Oh, uh, tears. Yeah. What's the sampling on tears? And who was on it? Uh, After laughter comes tears by Wendy Renee. Uh, Get Me Back on Time, Engine Number 9 by Wilson Pickett. Uh, the Boogie Back by Roy Ayers. And The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And who was that? Um, intro when the first verse was the RZA. And Ghostface Killer took the second part. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, this one was good. This, this, they both were just talking about like growing up, you know, growing up, and then there's always that sense of tragedy. Yeah, you know, someone you know who didn't deserve to die, they died. You know, they shouldn't die. You know, say it was like a family member or a cousin or, or, you know, just someone that you knew who was a good kid or you know had no problems. You know, didn't mess with with like you know. What was going around the hood? He was just minding his own business, you know. He was flying straight. All of a sudden, you know, stray bullet got hit by a car or something like that. You know, why? Why the innocent have to take it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, just basically what it is. And you know, a lot, a, you know, a lot of people can relate to this track. You know, even if you're not a big fan of hip hop, you know, if you actually take the time to sit down, listen to the lyrics and everything like that. You can relate to like, yeah, you know what? I knew someone like that. I knew someone who was really good that didn't deserve to go too soon, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then this was a, this was a good track for it. And then um, we have the Wu-Tang Seventh Chamber Part 2. Mm-hmm. And its samples include uh, their very own clan in the front. Right. Sample something within the album. And um, make it funky by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Bess. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was also in on this one. Yeah. So just like the first time, it was just like I said, everyone's trying to outdo one another. And then finally, we have the conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, um, Inspector Deck, Method Man, and Jizza, and a spoken word by an interviewer, and Riza just did the uh, f- finishing outro. Yeah. So pretty much like the this album was just the reason why it's a landmark album because there was nothing like it at the time. And and it kind of set the blueprint for what hip hop was going to be going towards throughout the rest of the 90s. You know. Um a lot of groups decided at the time to try to copy the Wu-Tang, their style, their their style, their methodology of sampling and everything like that, and try to make it like their own. That was happening going on in the East Coast. Not only that, but they were also like doing a lot of, okay, we got to dig in the carts. We got to look at all these different artists and stuff like that. Try to find these new different things of sampling and stuff like that, you know. While on the West Coast, they were just like, you know, okay, we got to step up our A game now. We're not going to try to copy them out in the East. We're not going to try to copy Wu-Tang. It's like, we're going to do our own thing, but we got to step it up. You know? And not only that, but also what what the Wu-Tang Clan also brought in was the Wu-Tang deal. Which many people who don't know... The basically what the Wu Tang deal was was that the group was still going to be together. Whenever they were going to do an album together, like a a, a group album, they were all going to come back together to do a, to do the album. Individually, they will still be under the Wu Tang banner, but they can do individual albums separately. But as long as they had the Wu Tang logo on them, then you know, oh, okay. So they're they're part of the Wu Tang Clan, and they're under the Wu Tang banner. 
because for example like um some went to loud records when loud was still around others went to um electra others went to um uh, what was the other what was what was that at the time what other record companies at the time well, actually, uh, here's a quote from Rizzo when he talked about their business model. Ah, okay. He said, quote, We reinvented the way hip-hop was structured, and what I mean is you have a group signed to a label, yet the infrastructure of our deal was like anyone else's. We still could negotiate with any label we wanted, like Meth went with Def Jam, yeah. Ray stayed with Loud, Ghost went with Sony, Jussa went with Geffen Records, uh, Feel Me? Mm-hmm. And all these labels still put razor-sharp records on the credits. Wu-Tang was a financial movement. So what do you want to diversify? Your assets? Mm-hmm. End quote. Yeah. So that was the Wu-Tang deal. And, yeah, like what Riza said, everybody went and did their own thing. But when they, but when they came back to do an album, they all came back and did a al- group album together under the under the main, main deal. So, and then that was... And that's... Throughout the 90s, a lot of hip-hop groups, a lot of one-hit wonder hip-hop, hip-hop groups wanted to be like, hey, I want to I want to sign on to a label, but I want to have that Wu-Tang deal. That's what the, a, lot of, a lot of hip-hop groups from then on out wanted. They wanted that Wu-Tang deal. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten times, they will, but a, but a lot of those groups aren't, aren't around to this day. You know? And um, and like I said, still to this day, their their that debut album just changed hip hop. Not just from a mental perspective, but also a musically perspective. You know, um, and also the business structure and the fil- and the philosophy of it. You know. You could literally say that this is one of the few hip hop albums. This was a landmark hip hop album that brought change to the hip hop community and in the environment, for better or for worse. You know, we were introduced to a lot of new MCs that single handedly, when they went out and had their own debut albums, each debut album was a hit, a crazy hit. You know, and. You know, and each member came from a different borough from New York. You know, and they were representing not only as New York as as a, you know, as a whole. They were representing what part of New York they were from. You know, like Brooklyn, the Bronx, uh, Queens, you know, Staten Island. You know, so... So it was all. So it's just like that, you know. It's a, this is like a landmark album, a real true landmark album in hip hop. That you know, if you haven't, uh, I'll, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If you haven't heard it, go take your time. If you have like an hour or two, get it, download it, or listen to it on Spotify or something like that, or listen to it on. Any ways you can, just listen to it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to understand what made this album so important, why it was so important for hip-hop, and why it's still important now.
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, with that, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. I hope you guys had a wonderful time. Next week, we'll be talking about more random things in the world of pop culture. So until then, I am Captain Cats. And I am We Are Cats. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Stay safe out there. And we'll see you guys next week. Yo-ho!